Hey everyone, this is Eric Wright, the host of the Disco Posse podcast. Thank you for listening. I've got a really fun and deep show that will really help you think about the impact you can have on the world. And it's kind of cool when you get a chance to be able to do that with somebody who is delivering on that idea. This is a podcast featuring Emily Gillette. She's a mother, a wife, a marathon runner, and a puzzle aficionado. But on top of that, she's an amazing human, a philanthropist, and somebody who you're really going to enjoy listening to in the, the commitment she has to the causes that she supports. And on top of that, she's a producer. She's doing a lot. There's a lot going on, and somehow she fits it in, and we learn exactly you know, kind of the techniques that she puts in place in order to do that. So thank you. Before I jump in, of course, I got to make sure I give a shout out to the folks that make this podcast possible, and that is our two very cool friends we're going to mention today. Number one, of course, is Veeam. Our friends at Veeam make sure that you have everything you need for your data protection needs, and if you want to check out all of the goodness to back it up, save it, protect it, recover it, don't just back it up. You got to recover that thing. Okay, go to vee.am forward slash Disco Posse, and you can find out everything you need for on-premises, in the cloud, cloud-native, SaaS. That's right, back that SaaS up. Office 365, Teams, all sorts of good stuff. But do go check it out because they've got really, really great stuff. And they've got an amazing campaign that they run right now, so you can find out how to become an AWS superhero. Go to vee.am forward slash Disco Posse, and you can check it all out. And the second shout-out i got to give is to Diabolical Coffee because if you're going to get a great cup of coffee in the morning that is devilishly good, the only place you can go is devilishlygooddiabolicalcoffee.com. And on top of that, we've got a really amazing thing that's going on with a limited edition t-shirt called Devil's Breath by independent artist Zine Rashidi. So you can go check it out. It's in the limited edition merch. Go check it out. Best coffee around. Best merch around. And lots more stuff that's coming up. In fact, a brand new sponsor is about to drop. Just putting the last couple of inks onto the contract. So make sure you check it out. Keep in touch. And with that, let's jump in. It's time for the show. It's Emily Gillette. What time is it? It's show time. Do you want me to open with a number from Hamilton? That's okay. perfect. <laughs> hey, everybody. This is Emily Gillette. I am coming to you from Las Vegas, where I am a philanthropist, a mom, and a seven handicap, but I dress like a scratch player. And you're listening to the Disco Posse Podcast. All right. That's what I love professional broadcasters and creators is that you, you know how to do this stuff on a dime and producer and mom and golfer and everything and philanthropist. Emily Gillette, thank you very much for joining today. This is going to be uh, one of the most fun ones I've had in, in a while because number one, I'm super interested in the stuff you're doing. And I've got, a, 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 as they would say, as the young folks would say, mad respect for, for what you do in the world. Uh, and also 
it's just going to be fun because you're such a fantastic conversationalist. So uh, we're, on. <laughs> we're in for a good time. We're in for a good time. Uh, so thank you for, for joining. If anybody, for whatever reason, is new to you, if you want to do a quick intro and tell us about yourself, and then we'll get into what I describe as interestingly quiet philanthropy. And we've, I know we've talked about the fact that quiet maybe doesn't belong in the, the way you do it, but uh, I'll, I'll, I'll explain a little context when we get to that. Okay. Um, well, uh, I did mention my passion for golf, which comes up very early in most conversations, um, only, only outshining the fact that I ran the New York City Marathon twice. But other than that, uh, I am a mom and a wife, and uh, I'll just say it right out. My husband's name is Penn Gillette, and he is the louder, taller half of Penn and Teller, the longstanding magic duo, longest running show in Vegas. Um, anyway, uh, so I have two kids, teenagers who have survived the pandemic and, um, born and raised in Las Vegas where I moved 18 years ago. I met my husband, I met my husband on a job. I used to produce golf commercials and, uh, Vegas is the greatest place to shoot golf commercials because clients love to come here and we never have rain days, which are so expensive in production. Um, it like never rains here. Uh, and so, yeah, I met him here. I can tell you later or now, if you care how, and, um, and we got married and had kids within like two or three years. And I've been here for 18 years and I love Vegas. I think I would love Vegas. Um, even if I weren't married and had kids here, but, um, because I love shows and community and restaurants and golf. Um, but, uh, add to it, my incredible husband and family and friends and I'm where I'm supposed to be. It's, it's a perfect place when it's funny because you also spend a lot of time in another place well known for food and theater. Of course you, you do spend time in New York as well, but attitudinally different than Las Vegas, as far as, you know, just the, the way that people walk on the sidewalk. Uh, well, the fact that when one side, they're usually carrying four foot tall glasses with giant straws made of palm trees in them. And on the other side, they're probably shoving you out of the way because they're trying to get to work faster for whatever reason. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, the, the interesting thing when I look, and for people to try and look up, and this is funny, as a, as a researcher, right? I'm like, let me find out, make sure I know all I can about Emily before we get in. You also go by your Emily Zoltan on your production credits, which is always interesting because then I've got to do a double search. You're surprisingly light on outside information, you know, especially given that you have a fairly public life. You are very good about keeping this beautiful balance of like showing the stuff that you want to and not getting dragged, you know, into other areas, which is probably not easy given that you've got a, a fairly public facing life. Well, I can honestly say that was not a concerted effort. Um, I consider myself rather vocal on social media and um, a little less so over the past few months as I detox from the Trump hell we lived through. Um, 
But uh, <laughs> you gonna, are you going to edit that out? Um, <laughs> <laughs> the, so uh, I don't normally, but for you, I can if we really want oh, to. Let's oh, go. no, I'm, I'm loud and proud on that. <laughs> but I didn't know if you didn't want to alienate your viewers. I don't mind. I mean, I could, I could say like three good things about Trump if you want to balance it. Anyway, um, so uh, as far as my credits go, you know, um, I'm in a thing called the DGA, the Directors Guild, and um, most of my credits um, that are creditable, like on IMDb, were before I joined. So um, I don't, I don't know why there aren't all on there. I, don't, I mean, nothing's on my IMDb. I don't populate it, but I actually worked on 17 features and um, tons of TV shows and commercials and whatever. Um, as far as other things out there. I'm sure there is a, did you find stuff like participation in um, charity yeah. events and that kind of thing? That's, that is one thing. And, and of course, this is why, I mean, and I've, I've sort of followed your story via uh, a lot of pen interviews actually on various, you know, Oakley and Anthony, he was on mm -hmm. a lot and Howard Stern. And so I, I'm a, an avid listener to talk radio, even though I was a Canadian, I would be like, like basically like, underground radio like listening to these like syndicated replays of all these long-form talk shows yeah and i was always interested in you know when he talked about his philanthropic work and then that led me to do sort of strange amounts of research about that and it led me to you and i realized that you have a lot that you're doing and then i also got uh found out that we have a common friend missy young who is such an amazing human. I can't talk enough about how great Missy is. Thanks, Missy. So, so cool. And when I talked to Missy, I was like, she mentioned that she was on, on a board of directors for one of the charities with you. And I thought, all right, if I can ask that favor, you know, you know, can I, can I get, can you phone a friend for me? <laughs> and here we are, which is kind of cool. I'm honored because I mean, in a, in a town full of incredible women, um, I'm lucky just to know them. I'm really not top of the list. I'm going to pass you on to some good ones after me. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, the cool thing is, is that I got into philanthropy, which is something you're really interested in talking about, right? I don't want to go off on a tangent. Yeah, no, that was the big um, thing because it's okay. the, if I'll say, and I talked about this this idea, this theme of like quiet philanthropy and, and interestingly quiet and that you're very involved, but you're not like most, I'll say this. I, don't, a, I want to be careful how I say this. So I'm not saying most people, but a lot of people who have public faces tend to have way more selfies about their charities than the people that the charities are are giving to. And I don't want to detract from people that are doing sure. work. And that's maybe that's just the way that they know how to bring attention to it. Yeah. But when I look at what you do, all I see is the people you affect, not you doing it. You immediately pass through the all the cheers to the people that are doing it. Like when it comes to Opportunity Village and all these things, it's always like, these are the amazing people. I'm just here beside them. It's It's such a rarity in people that are like have an opportunity to really bring themselves as the center. And the first thing you do is you slide out of the camera and say, no, no, they're, they're the cool people. Well, I really appreciate that. I, I, I assure you it hasn't been a concert, a concerted effort. And um, I actually don't mind being on camera and talking. I'm thrilled to be here. I mean, 
like you might be pretending my jokes are funny and my family doesn't do that. So <laughs> that would be great. Um, but thank you. That's really nice. I hope it, uh, I hope it stays that way. Um, but uh, so I originally got into philanthropy more than just the casual donation along my lifeline because of Penn. And that's because twofold. When I moved here and became his wife, um, it took a couple years to, I mean, I'm a very confident, strong-minded person, but it took a couple years to adjust to being Mrs. Gillette, you know, yeah, pencil, yeah. you know, because very much uh, figuratively and literally, literally in the shadows of such a large personality. And um, after a couple years of, um, you know, that and, and a little bit of a princess life, I sort of stopped working for a minute and, uh, and just enjoyed our newfound love and marriage. I was like, all right, I got to get back to something, but I'm probably not going back to full on six day a week production. So um, uh, Barbara Mulaski and uh, Robin Greenspun, who are uh, the most incredible women of Las Vegas. I mean, there's a list of them, but those two almost make me tear up. They're so amazing. Uh, they invited me to an event at Robin's house for Opportunity Village, where I was blown away. I think there, I think I wasn't even aware that there were like these underground communities that just power force, powerhouse, which one is it? Powerhouse um, and help all these charities that it can't be done without it. And it's kind of odd that I didn't know about it because I've been a libertarian for long before that actual meeting and espoused this idea that private citizens would um, replace things and help those who are now being helped so much by government programs. And I just didn't realize it, but it might have been um, an indication of where I was living, which was central Florida. And right. I was a um, civilian for lack of a better word. I'm a civilian now, but you know what I mean for. <laughs> yeah. um, and so I was enthralled and I just went at it full speed. And then Penn, who is in his heart, the most generous person on the planet, isn't actually very social. And that's because uh, he gets a lot of uh, a lot of attention, and if he opens his heart and his energy all day to everybody, there'll be nothing left for him or his family or even his work. So he's a little guarded with all that. So um, I was able to work so well with him, for lack of a better term, capitalize on his presence and sort of be the tap dancer next to him. You know, so we'll go to something and. Uh, and, and somebody could talk to us for like 15 minutes and they'll walk away and go, oh my God, I just talked to Penn for 15 minutes. He's so amazing. But if you watched, if you TiVoed the scene, you would see that I talked for 14 of them. Do you know what <laughs> yeah. I mean? Like, yeah, um, yeah. So it was a really, really good teamwork. And then once I got into it, it just, you know, charity begets charity and people start calling you and say, hey, do you want to do this? Do you want to do this? And I used to say yes to everything almost everything, everything that uh, aligned with my, my objectives and morals. But um, now I limit it to about four main charities a year with the occasional donation or appearance at something else. But um, because each of the charities has an event, the events take up a lot of time and, and, and uh, preparation. And um, so I just stick to four, which I can name or not name at any point that you like. Well, tell you what, I, I'd love to air any 
any advertisement I can, you know, and bring attention to, to what you're working on. So definitely I'd love to hear, you know, who, who are your, your four that you're really active with right now? Well, let's sprinkle it throughout our time. So it doesn't right. look like a commercial right now. <laughs> um, so the first and foremost is uh, Tyler Robinson Foundation and uh, hashtag Slay Cancer with Dragons. I, happen to have I love shirt that shirt. That is the best. So for people yeah. that is funny, because this goes out in two formats, we've got the audio that goes out first <laughs> and people will get the video. So I got to definitely snapshot that because that is a fantastic shirt. And I say this as a guy who's wearing a fantastic shirt because I, I got my own shirt joint. But, uh, you got it? I love it. Slay cancer with dragons. That's perfect. And that there's a reason for that. And this is the Imagine Dragons uh, charity. And um, they are a Vegas-based band, but world famous worldwide now. If you don't know the Imagine Dragons, you know where you've been. Um, and so briefly, they were doing a concert as the Imagine Dragons. And uh, they got a, a like a Facebook message back early when people used to read their messages. And it was from a brother who was like, my brother's dying of cancer. All he does is listen to your music. He's gonna be at the, uh, he's gonna be at your concert tonight, which was like 200 people in a dive bar. Uh, yeah. I just wanna let you know. And, um, and Dan Reynolds, the lead singer, he read the message and during the show, he called him out and they like sang a song together and it became very emotional. Like you should look for the video. And, uh, it, it inspired them to start uh, the Tyler Robinson Foundation. That was his name, Tyler Robinson. And he went into remission and then he actually eventually passed. And so they started it in his name and it has become an incredible organization which um, helps families um, with the out-of-pocket expenses that none of us even realize exist. You know, if, if I have two children and one of them has cancer, and I'm so glad that they don't, but I would rather use myself as an example, um, the amount of money it takes to go to the appointments, go to the specialist, get childcare for the other kid, uh, customize the room if they need, um, you know, disability help, all these things that pop up, those aren't covered by insurance. And they will deplete a family's um, bank account, morale and energy. And Tyler Robinson Foundation raises money to offset those costs. Wow. That's really, yeah, that's the, the incredible thing. It's like, it's not even the first order effect of, of what's happening. Yeah. It's that's the stuff that's just the, a family fighting together, right? Like, especially, you know, you've got multiple kids, you've, you know, I mean, goodness gracious, especially for the last 18 months where the world is, vastly different than we'd ever imagined it could be. And people can barely keep their day jobs up because they have kids at home and all this stuff. So it's, yeah. uh, I've got, I got four kids, so I know the deal on what it takes to do that. And if anything is thrown off for a day, most people are like, I'm out. I, <laughs> I can't do this. It's really, really hard to shift the schedule. And if you suddenly have to put attention as much needed, to a child or, a, a, you know, a, a, an elderly relative, your wife, yeah. your husband, you know, partner, anybody. Yeah. And you know, you'd do it right. And that like the, we would throw ourselves at it if we could, but then we're stuck making this choice of, yeah. do I pay the mortgage or right. the rent or do right. I spend time with my loved yes. one? Yep. It's a choice we shouldn't have to make. Yeah. And that's what they do. And, um, I'm not correcting you, but I will clarify that Tyler Robinson helps families with pediatric patients. Right, right. Very specifically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, 
Um, and they, and they really help. We have an annual event and we have some of the families come and talk about their experiences. And I mean, everybody says this, but literally not a dry eye in the house. You just, you're so grateful that you can help them and grateful that you are not experiencing it personally. I don't know how to say that politically. Um, yeah, that's, that's it. You know, it's that, that, that's, I mean, even when, when I do like nerd tech presentations, the first thing I do is like infuse a real story. And it's like the best thing in the world when someone like you see them, they're like, there's a, it's a lot of air coming <laughs> yeah. in here, you know, yeah. like, yeah. like, yeah, it's like, this is yeah. stuff that actually matters, you know, like, it, yeah. oh, yeah, by the way, we do this other thing yeah. and it's neat and whatever, but like, why, why the hell are we doing all this stuff we do? You know, yeah. oh yeah, because you know humans yeah. matter, and let's yeah. let's do some amazing stuff together, yeah. right? So, and, there you and, go. and I will add because this isn't this is like I don't know. I always feel this, and people don't talk about it that much, but I think they talk about it. I'm not trying to be special. Um, I try to help as much as I can. Um, I'm just kind of talking about it. It made me cry. Um, just because I hope someday someone helps me that way, if I need. Right. It. Yeah. No, and that's. That's really the the thing of, and it's unfortunately rare, right? It's hard to, it's hard for people to see that chance to be able to go outside. I mean, my one of the most amazing stories is uh, for folks that, as a marathoner, you may know, uh, is from the triathlon world, Dick and Ricky Hoyt, who are a famous father son duo, and uh-huh. they've they've run Ironmans. And the story is that Dick Hoyt was, you know, they had their son had a challenging birth cord got wrapped around the neck ended up with cerebral palsy and they said you know what do you do you know like so they go to the doctor and this is you know years ago and they said well your best bet is to put him in continuous care and then hope that he can have you know a a somewhat decent life there and he says he's like no 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 that's not what we're going to do that's not how we do things. Right. So he was a military man. He says, we'll work our life around this. And they did these things. And, and he said like the, the first words that he spoke, cause he, he, they got this, the computer that they could actually like use the, you know, letters on the computer and, and, you know, what are the first things he's going to spell out on this computer? And they put all this, everything they could into this. And he says, it's going to be dad it's going to be mom, whatever. And it was go, Bruins. Yeah. <laughs> he was right. And he was a Boston guy. And he's this classic, like Boston guy. And I'll tell you about my son Ricky. And oh, and it was amazing. He says, then he he went and he took him in a like he would run with him. And he's like, so we would take him for a walk and take him for a run. And he says, you know, what do you do you like that? And he says, Dad, when I run with you, it feels like I'm running. Mm, and yeah. so he became, he started running like 5Ks and, yeah. and 10Ks and marathons. And next thing you know, they're doing Ironman triathlons together. Amazing. And he had an adapted bike and he would pull them on a raft for the swim. And it's just, a, it's incredible. Yeah. And I tell people, like, if you watch this video of him, like introducing this story, I say, yeah. if you aren't crying at the end, you don't <laughs> have a soul. <laughs> because, oh, but I it's know. like, as a parent, you know, you're like, I'd throw anything away for your kids and, and then to do it for your peer group, like for somebody who you're not even directly connected to, like it's, yeah. it's incredible. So yeah, yeah I, that's the stuff that I really get. Um, I, well, I, just, I love it. Right. 
Yes, um, you have set up the perfect segue. So I will just tell you that another foundation that I like to work for and that Penn and I have done a lot with is called Opportunity Village. And it has a similar provenance, if you will, of its creation, which was Linda Smith had a severely handicapped son and I believe they were Canadian. Forgive me, Linda, or anybody else if I get these details wrong. But um, I believe words like throwaway child were used and wow. they just wanted to, um, you know, put them in an in a institution and, and walk away. Like they didn't even talk about um, an integrated life with that, uh, um, that level of care. But anyway, Linda was like, nope, not going to happen. His name's Christopher. And he did recently pass away, but after like 35 years. And so she, I don't think she actually started Opportunity Village. I think she found them and created the, the incredible foundation that it is today. Um, although she has also moved on. I, I just want to make sure I don't say something and people go, that's not right, Emily. Um, <laughs> but uh, uh, Opportunity Village is akin to the Hell Go Bruins statement, which is to say it takes handy, it takes intellectually and physically uh, disabled people and teaches them whatever their level of capability is, um, what I call life or vocational skills. So from the simplest, like Here's how you pour a glass of water, if you have that capability, to here's how you take a bus, here's how you go to the bathroom, here's how you go grocery shopping, and here's how you get a job. And um, it is a, it's a um, paradoxical um, goal, which is to teach them independence that's integrated into right. the real world. And it's fabulous. Everybody there is called an OVIP and everybody has a job and everybody has a paycheck. So everybody feels self-worth and value. And the amazing thing is that they have been so embraced by the Vegas hospitality community. So tasks as simple as they have like assembly line at their, at their two facilities where they might just be putting like a plastic silverware napkins into one of those rolled things or collating um, papers for a conference, or they found it was an incredible opportunity. They have a huge shredding business because, you know, what's the, whatever, it's shredding business. Um, but also out in the community, they are working in the hotels, working in the restaurants, working everywhere. And um, it's an amazing thing that we love working for. Kind of played for it on Celebrity Apprentice. And I would yeah. like to say, to help balance my other comment, that Trump was, 10 years ago, a wonderful host and a fantastic game show host. And I support his career in game shows. Anyway. I, uh, that was that was one of the, my first uh, introductions to Opportunity Village was through through that show. And, uh, and yeah, that was the whole thing of like, how can we you know, give people literally an opportunity, right. To actually, you know, have something that they, they can do and, and they feel the contribution, they get results from, and it's not exploitative or exploitative, yeah. exploitative. I don't know. I'm not sure what the word is. I'm not very Power. good with English. 
I'm Canadian. So yeah. it's a weird, weird. Uh, you got to have a small list of words you read and write, but don't pronounce. And that's one of them. <laughs> yeah. I, the funny thing, the, the weirdest word, and this is my nerd bits coming out for a second. I say the word infrastructure about 11 times a day at a minimum. And I write it all the time and I spell it and say it poorly every time. I, I, for whatever reason, it's my kryptonite of, of words. It's yeah. thank goodness for autocorrect. But uh um, well, I also want to add, because since I mentioned um, Barbara and, uh, and Robin, that there was a guy there named Michael Thomas, who also became a very close friend. And if you happen to be in Texas, he moved and started his own new and improved uh, Opportunity Village called My Possibilities. And the oh, work wow. he's doing is magical. So check it out, My Possibilities. Now, this is the... The, the very interesting thing about this, when you put yourself towards this stuff in more than just a donation, it's a real investment in the people behind it. How do you, how do you find the ones that you know that your contribution is going to have a meaningful impact? Because this is what I find a lot of people don't get involved in, in much more than, you know, maybe small charitable giving because they're unsure that what they're doing actually impacts something. Yeah. Um, I am not sure I have a delineated process. I think that um, certainly I read about it um, right away and um, find out what they do. And I might go to a meeting or two. Um, typically when I'm invited to help a charity or work with a charity, it starts out with an event, you know, like, oh, we're putting together a committee for this event. Can you be on the committee? And I'll do that. And um, there's a lot of gut feeling in, that goes into it, you know, um, and the people who are associated with it. For example, Missy Young is a gold star. If Missy's on the board, I don't have to do any of the work because she wouldn't be there if it weren't. Yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> Uh, a, a small aside, but I like to mention it because of my personal positions, which is I generally don't do anything that's religious related only because I'm not a, I'm not against religion helping people. But I I really like to walk the walk that it's people who help people. Right. And uh, I just want to show that that's important to me. There's enough that I can choose from that fit my parameters that I can be extremely philanthropic with and be inclusive. Um, so there's that. Um, I look for fun. I mean, we could segue right into the Shriners Hospitals for children. There you go. I, I work on a PGA event, which is golf and philanthropy together. It's this like, like the this is the absolute yeah. culmination of everything yes. you've you've yes. Yes. I waited my whole life for that. Uh inside the ropes batches, the whole thing. I, I can't even hide how much I appreciate the fun and benefit I get from it. That being said, Shriners Hospitals for Children has been around most people's whole life. They are amazing. They make, uh, you know, the uh, neuroskeletal diseases and burn victims, children, I believe mostly, but um, zero dollars medically to uh, the family. And they educate physicians and do research. And they are just, I mean, the most, in my heart, the most generous organization I work with. I mean, they have nothing on their mind except helping people. I guess the other ones do too. That didn't come out right, but- <laughs> No, but it's, <laughs> it, it, if you think of 
as well, it's it's one of those, it's very rare that you find a group that's really survived decades of evolution and in, in the world and themselves. Like when we walk, when you drive into towns, at least I know, I'm fairly sure U.S. towns are the same way. I'm, I'm a fresh new resident to the United States. So I'm, but driving around little Canadian towns, you'd come in and there'd be the like, welcome to, you know, Bradford. And it would have like the Lions Club and all these different things. And I was the what what the heck do those people do? Like the Optimist Club, like, oh, that sounds like a happy bunch. You know, I, I don't know what they actually did. They were, in effect, a lot of these things. And then the Shriners, we knew them from the little goofy in-town parades. And they were the big guys driving little tiny cars with a Fez hat on, <laughs> which I didn't know. They're the only place I've ever understood what a Fez hat is. I don't even know why it's called a Fez hat, but hey, that, that was that was my Shriner experience. Yeah. And then I find out that they're doing this incredible stuff behind the scenes. And now ultimately is is has given an incredible amount to so many yeah. families uh, across North America. It's amazing. It truly is. Um, and then, you know, they have like golfers come out at the tournament who are handicapped, but handicapable. Like it's amazing. Um, so I've been with them for maybe five or six years and that, and to, to go back to how did I get involved with them? Well, that was a layup for golf, but coincidentally at my golf club. So it's a perfect fit. Um, and it's presence is felt there all year. There's other events all the time, but that's their big golf event. And, um, I don't know. I encourage everybody to, to, come out to the golf tournament we have uh we have one of the best spectator viewing tournaments on tour nice now the thing comes up is people even just go over what we've just talked about and they will start to look in their own personal schedule and not find a lot of time where they feel like they can squeeze it in so i'm curious both as i mean you've got an incredible you know, history and in, in what you do with your production work and like just keeping those cats herded is one thing. You've obviously, you've got your own family. You've got everything that's going on with, you know, like I said, with, with Penn and, and, and his work. And then this incredible community of, you know, magicians and performers that you're always, you know, it's, it's so neat to see how this comes, right? Like I've got my nerd people and the, like, we've got our little, like, you know, like sort of, cliques of like little pods of people that that you're like oh that's like scott Lowe, and you're like they're like famous people kelsey hightower and like people have no idea outside of my circle who these people right. are but the same way they'd be like oh my god like this is piff i'm going to see piff the magic dragon and you know i know these people and so it's kind of it's tough to fit it in so how do you yes. doing so much just keep the wheels on the bus <laughs> um well I thrive on being busy. Like relaxing is not a thing that I do and um, not much anyway. Um, or jigsaw puzzling, you know, I do competitive jigsaw puzzling and that's, that's my relaxation and my meditation. <laughs> okay. Okay. Hang on <laughs> a second. <laughs> We're going to pause on that one for a second. Okay. So <laughs> I didn't even know there was a thing called competitive jigsaw puzzling. Tell me okay. about, I don't mean to take you off your, your thought process, but that's like, this is, I think we got a new podcast on our hands alone here. <laughs> I'm in. Well, I didn't know this was a thing. That's cool. Oh, it's such a thing. Um, I just dropped out actually the world championships because they're in Spain in September and I'm just not ready to do all not that right now. Travel, yeah. um, 
but, uh, and I've never been to the world championships. This is only the second one. Um, but, uh, it's, it's, um, it's not a qualifying type sport. If you want to play, you can play. So that, makes <laughs> but I'm just obsessed with puzzles. Like I have two going right now and I'm not speaking in hyperbole. When I tell you I'm never not working on a puzzle, there's always a puzzle going. Um, and I've always loved jigsaw puzzles. Um, and it even ramped up to obsession before, before pandemic, but pandemic fed it like, like a bad habit. Um, <laughs> that was like, uh, this is like being trapped in a store full of cigarettes and, and deciding that maybe I'll pick up smoking again. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and there was quite the shortage of jigsaw puzzles during, um, Oh, wow. During the pandemic. I mean, it, there was a run on puzzles, apparently. A run on puzzles. So my favorite puzzles are called Liberty and they're, they're, they're laser cut wooden puzzles, very high end and gorgeous and artistic. And, um, you know, you used to be able to just log on and buy one. It got up to like a 65 day wait for the right to order one. Wow. I know. I gamed the system a little when I was ordering, you know, under different emails. <laughs> <laughs> but I started a Liberty puzzle group and we would just ship them around to everybody and do them so that we all got, you know, we were all buying and sharing and everything. Um, but the, the competition stuff is done, uh, at least the ones I'm in, with Ravensburgers which are a high-end cardboard pressed jigsaw puzzle, which are super fun and I love them and I've done almost every one they've ever made. Um, but once you move on to the wood ones, they're not as great. So don't touch the wood puzzles till you're ready to only do <laughs> it, it will break you from that point forward. You're like, no, yeah. it's wood, yeah. or, wood or nothing yeah. for me now. Yeah. Um, but, but part of that is just to talk about my busyness and like, that's not even my favorite kind of puzzle. Um, my favorite kind of puzzle is called a cryptic and it's a sort of wordplay type crossword puzzle. And I probably do those two hours a day. Um, but I do them with a partner on the phone because each puzzle takes so much brain power to solve. So we just work on it together, but that's my favorite thing nice. in the world is cryptics. Um, but anyway, back to the busy, um, you, you know, as a former producer. And so everything I do is very, um, scheduled and 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 thought out ahead because i i used to say that if i'm a good producer um i'll do nothing the day of the shoot that means i've i've foreseen every problem and right. pre-solved it that's never happened um, <laughs> it's but, a pipe dream but <laughs> but but that's the goal so like when i'm thinking about how things are going i'm planning it out and i'm solving the problem and i'm setting up alternatives and backups and everything and uh that keeps you busy and then um whenever there is a problem uh i love it it's a challenge for me to solve um so i guess that's part of how i keep busy i i'm like i've got a similar mental style uh where like Every time that I, I feel I, I'm constantly overwhelmed with things to do and a backlog of stuff. And then the moment all of a sudden, like three meetings cancel and you're like, I have this whole afternoon with nothing scheduled. The first thing I find is nine hours of work to cram into the three hour block that I had. Like it's, but I, the moment that I stop, I become free to explore my own thought and like so when i cycle i might i would do you know moderate distance cycling and and uh and i i run because i used to go to i traveled a lot so 
it's hard to carry a bike everywhere you go. So I started running all over the place. I've, every time I go to a show, I do morning run groups every morning. So that it also keeps people from going out and drinking until four in the morning because they know they got to get their ass up and go for a run with me in the morning in the Vegas heat, which is super fun, right? So I'd be, you know, camped out at the Bellagio Fountain every morning at 6.30, you know, waiting. And the next thing you know, there's like 30, 40 people that are coming yeah. up. And we would go up the strip, go to the sign, come back, like just make it a big thing. And it was fun. But the moment that I'm disconnected, forcibly disconnected, it's the most creative time. And, uh, and then I get back and I'm like, got to write this stuff down. I got to, yeah. I got to capture this. Yeah. But it's hard when you're doing these continuous sort of frenetic, always fitting other things in yeah. to get that freedom of thought time. How do you, that's my puzzle. Time. That in, right? yeah. That's my puzzle time. Yeah. Um, the puzzle time is it's meditative. I, I am paying attention. You have to pay attention to the puzzle, but there's, there is some autopilot to it, particularly everybody hates turning over and sorting. And that's, that's my jam. You know, I just, that's, turn that's over the best part. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I used to be the guy that would always count the cash every time when we, when I worked at a retail store, I'm like, I got this it, and yeah. it's like certain coins hang, hold my beer. <laughs> exactly. No, I know my, my, my mom said that, I joined production because I like spreadsheets, lists, Sharpies, and highlighters. And <laughs> so I can just make plans and lists and organize. Um, have you ever tried a flotation tank, a uh, sensory deprivation? No. And it's funny. I've thought about this just because it, I think it would be incredible, but I'm also like weirdly claustrophobic. I did like Tough Mudders and stuff. Yeah. And one of the things that drove me nuts but I did it. It scared the hell out of me was going into like an underwater tube where you have literally like just your mouth and your like your cheeks are above water as you're like crawling backwards through a, a, like a gutter tube. I wouldn't. And, and you do that for like 15 feet. And all you have is these like four spots where they're basically like blowholes out of the thing. It's yeah. horrifying. That so, sounds horrifying and a little more out of your control. I think if you got in one of these pods and convinced yourself 11 times that you can open it or you can press the button or the person you trust the most is sitting outside, yeah. you might be able to allay that fear because um, it's truly amazing when you take away the sound, the sight, um, smells, although I find there is a little bit of a smell, but also the water is like a few degrees cooler than your body. So the heat you give off mitigates it and you stop feeling the difference between your skin and the water. Well, I mean, I can't quote studies on it, but your mind, uh, refuses to be so on, to, to be so idle. And yeah. there's visual hallucinations. If you sort of allow them, you can close your eyes, but, um, but the creativity is insane and, um, you might love it. And, uh, I, I started doing it. I don't know if you found in, uh, your, uh, Google stocking, I, I mean, research that, uh, I, uh, I studied dolphin communication in Hawaii and, uh, and, um, so flotation tanks were sort of, um, made popular and developed a lot by John Lilly, John C. Lilly, who, uh, was my, idol, albeit a bit nutty. <laughs> Those are the best idols to have. I think the only, because I was a youth, because I grew up in the time, and the only 
early introduction to these sensory deprivation tanks was it was like I forget which what was it called? It was a William Hurt movie, and uh, one that he he was in as a not alteration. I think it was altered states. I think was the name oh, of it. Yeah, and, that is the, that is about John Lowy and his work. I mean that. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. So that yeah. this is the the oddities of connective tissue of the world. This is like Dirk Gently's holistic detective agency played out in real life that everything is the fundamental yeah. interconnectedness of all things. Did you ever watch that British show Connections? No, no. Oh, oh now I've got now I got stuff to watch. So write <laughs> this one down because this is this show is like 30 years old and I still watch it on YouTube sometimes. And it's like this British guy and he'll take a Sharpie and then he'll take a steam engine and he'll show not only are they connected, but they wouldn't one wouldn't exist without the other. Like he, they will show oh, wow. a like an integral connection between their development, and your mind is blown because it's justified. Like you, you you're not just taking his word for it. Fascinating show, fascinating. So that's the stuff that I dig into. My biggest thing lately is I really struggle with finding like nutritional content to take in. It's so easy to get like pulled into the infinite scroll of, of things. And, and I, I just feel my brain just going in bad directions because I, and I, I, every once in a while, I just, I just say like, that's it. I claim to do list bankruptcy, email bankruptcy. I just like shut it, delete it all. And I'm like, I'm going to do something, you know, I find an amazing documentary. And I tell you, well, here you go. Another fundamental interconnectedness thing. One of my, my favorite ones that I watched not too much, not too long ago, harder to find now, because for whatever reason, I love streaming, except that stuff goes away on streaming. I know. Was Gambler's Ballad. Thank you. Beautifully done. Thank and you so much. Johnny Thompson is somebody who people really have no idea how much he gave to the world and to the magic community and and an incredible a terrible loss of course in 2019 right it's been two years over two years now but like uh, but let me interject that his incredible partner wife and yes badass broad wife pam yeah passed, passed away last week also oh no oh my yeah. goodness wow Super sad. Super sad. She was wonderful. She had her friends, family, and dogs around her, and and and, and she did say she was ready to go. Wow. So, uh, um, I uh, I told Penn that uh, they're editing the season right now of Fool Us, and they should just do a single card in the beginning that announces the uh, Thompsonian Company reunion tour. You know? <laughs> <laughs> um, um, but no, that was fun. And I think you're thanking me because I, I was a producer on that, but um, I, I was really just a facilitator. The, um, the, the idea and the talent and the passion was from my husband and Teller. I just helped because of my experience and access. Well, and, and that's, but that really truly is the story of the importance of what we through philanthropy, through work, through what we give to our families the unseen, like what people like, they, if they look in in Johnny's his own public history of what he did for as a as a performer, not realizing how much he did as a creator for other magicians, and obviously he was very close to to Penn and and Teller and and, and you know designing with them and 
and being a consultant and you being a producer, you know, you're trying to sort of like push away of like, no, 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 it was them. You're like, well, no, this is, this is what makes it incredible is that the, the name, the face on the box of the movie back when there were boxes for movies, at least <laughs> is often not the one that really, you know, they're the ones that sell the story, I guess, but yeah. the story is created and told like Tim's Vermeer was another fantastic example that was Teller's work. And Oh God, I could, I could watch that weekly. Yeah. It's such an, an amazing story. That's a roller coaster mystery. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, I love that movie so much. Um, I, I put it's, I have like three favorite documentaries in the world and that's one of them. All right. Now I got to hear the other two. <laughs> Oh, well, Gambler's Ballad. But uh, the documentary I love so much that I always tell people to watch is super hard to find. You might find a PAL VHS, but it, it does happen to be on uh, YouTube. And I just lie to myself and say that the creators said it was okay. So I watch uh, it there. But it's called The Other Final. And it you, you've seen it? I have not. So now oh I am, I'm, like, this is, watch, we're writing this down here. I'm, I'm writing this down. Watch tonight and then text me what you think, but um, in the way that um, um, Gimler's Ballad is not just about magic and, and, and non-magicians can enjoy it, and Tim's Vermeer is definitely not just for artists or historians, this movie takes place in the world of soccer, and I hate soccer, so that lets you know, <laughs> excuse me, so it's a guy that decided to um, create a final on the day of the World Cup for the two lowest ranked teams in FIFA. And so it was a competition between Montserrat and Bhutan at the time. Oh, wow. <clears throat> and the, the, the hard work and willpower and humanity to bring together a, you know, um, hurricane wrought island with a mountainside village that doesn't talk to people and get them to play soccer together to find that crossover of humanity. I, I just loved it so much. I can't stand it. That is wild. Yeah. Those, that's what I, what I enjoy about these and even like the stories we've talked about, you know, like when you, when you unlock the real, like what's behind all that stuff. Like it just, that's what pulls you in. That's why these things are fantastic to watch and share, you know, and in, in even what we do in, in business, you know, I always say to people that like, they're like, oh, I'm not in, I'm not in sales. I'm like, well, everybody's in sales. Like we're, we're ultimately all responsible for, for some kind of impact on what we do. And, you know, while I may not be the guy that's, you know, going to, going to town and footing the bill and telling the story and chasing down the CIOs and doing whatever, the fact that you can be a part of it and, and help people throughout this whole group. It's that's what I love is the impact of it. And then when you see somebody else tell these stories yeah. in, in beautiful ways, it's such a, yeah. such a magical feeling when, you know, through storytelling, watching somebody else's storytelling, yeah. that must be. So as an EP and as a producer and like, you've got an interesting split of the, like, just, keeping the wheels on the bus, but also ensuring that the story ultimately is being parlayed and told in the way that's to the core of why the project had started. 
Yes, and that would hold more true for an EP who originated the project at, to, to realize their vision. But most projects, if not all that I've been brought on to have been to help others. So I'm really fighting for them to get their vision and not inserting mine. Um, so I don't always agree with everything that's done, but that's that's not my job. And, and I've been proven nearly um, unanimously that, that they were right anyway. So <laughs> I don't have to. Don't have to um, Except don't for have Werner to. Herzog. Yeah. I, I, I just don't get it. I, I love incredible filmmakers and, and like he's, he is amazing in his ability to do his thing. Yeah. Every time I'm halfway through one of them, I'm just like, I'm not quite sure what I'm, what I'm enjoying here. <laughs> it's an interesting, it's an interesting character, but. Uh, um, can I return to two points? Cause I wrote them yeah. last, but I wouldn't uh, forget to follow up on them, which is early on in our discussion. You talked about like people who take selfies and, and, and maybe are, are, have other reasons, additional reasons for why they do work. I have absolutely no problem with that. And I encourage everyone to do it. If we all did things the same way, we wouldn't get it all done. I am so fine with people who they want to add a gold star to their Facebook page, or they want to be seen with a celebrity, or they want a tax deduction. If you are, you know, uh, what was his name? Sheldon Adelson. I'm not a huge fan, but- Oh, yeah, get, yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. give so much money because you want that kind of accolade. Bravo. I'll take your money. I'll take your time. I'll take your notoriety. Um, yeah. And I think that if you're going to shame that spectrum or, or, or let's not say shame, but minimize it or right. rewrite the narrative, then, then, then you could do it to the guy who just, you know, gives $5 a month out of his paycheck and say, you're not doing enough or whatever. We have to accept all charity for what somebody has to give because it's not mandatory. It's what we do because we want to. So um, I applaud anybody in any way who gives to any charity. That is an interesting conundrum right now, especially, you know, especially we get say like, so obviously Sheldon Adelson is a polarizing figure as far as, you know, some of the, yeah. you know, some of the history and what he's done in, in business. But like you said, then he had this sort of philanthropic side of, of himself. We talked obviously about, you know, 45, you know, and, and we, and pre and post, right. You know, where, where people fit in. And this is what really I struggle with of, you know, we, we have to look for, we can't let the one portion of somebody's existence define the rest of their existence yeah. because we have to be able to either surpass or forgive or, you know, and, and maybe not, maybe just say like, okay, you know, yeah. <laughs> but, or, or, or compartmentalize right. or just, I mean, of course there's exceptions, exceptions. We're not, we're not interested in like supporting murderers doing charity, you know, whatever, right. yeah, yeah. Um, but, but everybody's got things that do not appeal to everybody else. And, you know, I am, um, 
very vocal about this cancel culture stuff lately. I, I'm sensitive. I try to be politically correct, but um, it's it's to me, we're in this like overreaction period where you can say or do one thing 17 years ago and all of a sudden all the work you're doing now means nothing. It's, it's insane right. to me. And I'm hoping that that rubber bands back and leaves a legacy of sensitivity and, and a calmer place for us to all treat each other. But we have to stop canceling people for mistakes um, that are mistakes. I'm not talking about egregious crimes. I'm not saying right. let's let Harvey back in. You know, I'm talking about mistakes. Yeah. Um, it is. It is tough. That, and yeah. you even like the first thing before you even begin the statement is like you got to make sure you're getting the right guardrails on how yeah. we we say it because we it is they're they're tough subjects to talk about. But it's like, I mean, I tell people. Like, I know it's a bit of a deep topic, but like read Alexander Solzhenitsyn's Gulag Archipelago and you'll learn about when when good wasn't good enough. And, yeah. you know, they just kept sh- taking away the edges and by taking away the edges, meaning uh, effectively causing genocide. Like they they said, yeah, you're rich, so we can't let that happen. Yeah. Liked your principles. Cool. OK, but then once they're gone, now the top earners are now rich and those are the farmers and okay let's stop doing that one and then suddenly millions die in the ukraine because there's no food for a decade right i mean look obviously that's an extreme case but it it played out and that's why i always like you said let's not let the egregious stuff you know be accepted but there's people that yeah, yeah make mistakes and let's let's try and put the right context and context can be timing. It can be, especially just what's wrapped around it. Like if you take yeah. one single sentence out of this podcast, I'm going down. I'm sure for some reason, something I said somewhere, I, I, it's it's troublesome. The fact that I mentioned Gulag's Archipelago is probably going to be the one that takes me out. But hey, <laughs> I, I, I say I this is like, it's yeah. a historical thing that, you know, we, I, I often look at like, we have to look at history so that we don't make the mistakes of it again. By yeah. suddenly taking an Etch-a-Sketch and shaking off everything that's 22 years and older, yeah. I mean, I could get with get around maybe getting some of the 80s music off my my memory list. It's all good, you know. But hey, <laughs> that's just me. I get it. Um, agreed, of course, on all of that. Uh, and then the other point I want to hit because I don't know when you're going to cut me off is um, uh, when you talk about you know, getting started. How do you find what works for you and everything? Right. Um, and, and then I sort of got off on a tangent that people have approached me. So I'm not out actively seeking. So I've been like letting it, you know, marinate in my mind when I think about it. And I think that two things that I want to say about it. One is, um, unless you are the only person in this world you know somebody who has a disease or is maybe has been homeless or has an alcohol problem or something that is connected with the charity. And if you can tap into your compassion and love for that person, you might want to work with something in that area because that way it'll feel more personal to you. It'll feel let, it'll feel connected. So it's just a suggestion that isn't something I've actually done, except one would argue the golf thing. But um, <laughs> I would look for something that hits closer to home so that um, you can, you know, feel like you're making a difference in the world and maybe your own life also. 
But what I also want to say is that, um, you know, how, like if you're having a shitty day and you go for a run that you do not want to go on, um, you just feel better after nobody ever regretted exercising or running. Um, we're all coming out of this like incredible time of solitude. And I just think that helping others is going to help the giver more than it ever has before. And yeah. if you're coming back to the world and life is hard for you and you're like, I, I have less time than ever. I have to work two jobs now just to make, uh, you need the feel good of giving more than anybody. And you've got to, if you find that time, you know, we all, we all know how to make time for the things that are most important to us. You'll find the time because it's so rewarding. It's beautiful. You know, in the, it's something that I hope that we take what we just experienced and find lessons in it. Yeah. I, I, nobody would like to experience what we've gone through and continue to go through, nor would we want to go through what we talked about with, you know, families who have children, who you face medical challenges that you'd never imagine until you experience it. And like, if you can do something as we go back to the world where we open up and we, we get to hug again and we get to do these yeah. things it's, it's going to feel special. And yeah. I want people to like, don't forget that. Like just yeah. grab that moment. Yeah. And I think about back again, about Barbara and Robin, who took me by the hand and let me in. Uh, you, you, you can give out my email. If somebody's in Vegas and they want to do charity work of any level a week, uh, an hour a year or full time or whatever, you give them my email. I will help them. That's amazing. Now, the the interesting thing, of course, is when we look at like we and sort of you touched on it before, this sensation that you're not giving enough. And like, how do you how do you coach people through, you know, like you said, just the small things. I often tell people, even if they're not directly doing it, find somebody else who's doing it and give them the day off. Like give your workers an opportunity to spend time. It doesn't even need to be like a company giving money. It can right, be like right. empower your 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 yeah. community to say like, yeah. who wants to do something? Let's all pool together and make sure that that can happen, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, examples, you could come be a, uh, a be quiet person at the golf tournament for a day. And you'll just stand there and, you know, the learning curve is three minutes to what, you, <laughs> um, you know, when the golf school, you hold it up and everybody's quiet and then you're helping. You're absolutely helping. I mean, more than helping. I can't even over, I can't even overstate how volunteer like physical work and manning all these events is, is everything. They don't happen without it. Yeah. The big checks come, but there's no checks to give to if there's no event or always right. in another order. Um, so you could do that or you could, um, you could, you know, find out which homeless shelters accept uh, food and bake some cakes. Um, you can, you know, you can do the, the layup, which is helping on Thanksgiving or Christmas. And I, I, I don't roll my eyes at that. That's just, that's a good starting point, but there tends to be more than enough people on those days. Um, right. so do it on a different day. Um, I don't know what else, probably 
manning the phones and something is you can do. For yeah, that. that was yeah. back. back yeah. Remember that was like the whole yeah. thing was like the you know the telephone banks yeah. would be would yeah. be lit up and you'd have you know, like these yeah. sort of like. I, I grew up, of course, through the 70s yeah. and 80s, and it was like watching like, oh, yeah, we there's Burt Reynolds and, you know, yeah. and Lonnie Anderson on, on the phones taking calls. But they're truthfully, they're yeah. they're just holding the phone yeah. to their ears. And, and yeah. there's hundreds of people in another yeah. room that are actually taking the calls. But So I know another one that's great. Um, it's a smaller, a smaller organization that I've worked with. But um, if you can take it on to. Um, tutor or mentor underprivileged children. Um, that is something that is, is almost an exponential seed because as you create, create sounds so um, manhandled, as you um, help people develop and become educated, then you are really helping them become uh, you know, meaningful members of this of community and having children who they teach the importance of education who become in the workforce. And it's, it's just a cascading benefit. And so if you have a very busy job and you have no time for um, charity work, um, maybe you could mentor a child and teach him, you know, how do we develop this product or whatever? And it'll make all the difference in the world. Yeah, that's the thing. You don't know what's going to be the turning point um, when it comes to education. You just have to spark somebody into understanding, loving education. Yeah. And you don't know if that comes from your bus driver or your teacher or your uncle. No, and that and that's it, right? And I can say that charity happens in small ways every day even just by the way that we behave in, in our community and the way that we embrace people's differences and, and look for, I remembered I was sitting on a bus on the way to work one day and there was a guy who was sitting in the, in the bus and this was like pre-phone day. So you literally like just people were in books and like looking around the room. And I've always been a bit of a people watcher and I, I saw this guy and he had an, uh, a, a metal arm like his it was a prosthetic arm and it was like sort of the three claw like basic sort of little prosthetic arm and i watched the way people reacted to him and he was just sitting there quietly you know book in one hand and wearing an iron man jacket sitting with this metal arm and everybody on the bus that got on or off the first thing they stared at was his arm and now, it's funny. And I thought, then I saw one guy get on and he did what I did. And the first thing he did was he stared at his jacket. And he didn't think that this guy has a really tough life because he has to get through every day with one arm. He looked at him and he said, that motherfucker ran an Iron Man. Yeah. <laughs> What's your excuse? Yeah. Exactly. And in small ways, right? So an hour a day in a thing we can give, a small check, just encouraging other people to partake, you know, proselytizing, anything we can do, I think is a powerful opportunity. You want to hear a simple little charitable thing that I do that has turned out to be so fun, which is uh, you can download an app called Be My Eyes. And you're entered into a pool of people who get FaceTime, random FaceTime calls from blind people. 
and they're sh- and they're like, I can't see what this says, and and they Facetime and show you, and you read to them. Wow! Like, I've, I've gone, I've done like two hours of going through a blind guy's mail with him and figuring out what bills need to be paid, and you inevitably just talk to them and make human connection, and um, and you really feel that you help them. And in the beginning, I have to tell you, I was like. Hmm, how do I know they're really blind? And I was like, well, why would anybody pretend they're blind just to have a FaceTime call? I don't know why I thought that, but I'm just admitting it here publicly. Um, so, uh, but they, they are because I talked to them forever and that's charity, that's helping. And it's such a small commitment that you could do like sitting on your patio, be my eyes. And then it's fun. You're meeting people all over the world that you, not all over the world. I think it's all over the country. You would never meet and doing crazy little tasks for them. I love it. That's incredible. Yeah. And that's, that's what I love where we can take, take technology and do stuff with it. Yeah. You know, I mean, I suppose goodness to all the folks that do other things, you know, that, and, and what's interesting too, like I said, just to go back to, we talked about, obviously Sheldon Adelson was a name we picked, but there are many folks that are, you know, it's a tough world right now. When people make a lot of money, they like the word billionaire gets thrown at them like as if it's a it's a bad word. I know. Because we may disagree with some of the statements they made. So therefore now it's a pejorative, you know, like, oh, that darn billionaire, you know. But if I do look at the positive of what they do is they've created opportunity for a lot of folks, wealth, you know, employment, whether they're directly, you know, giving to charity. Yeah. So there are, there are things that people do and, and that's it. It's just like, it, it doesn't always show. It's not something we wear as a badge that says, yep, I gave, you know, X hours a week. It's the quiet stuff that happens behind. And it happens, like you said, pick up your phone and you can be someone's eyes. That's pretty amazing. Yeah. yeah it's really cool. Nice. Um, no, you're right. I know billionaires get a bad rap. You can imagine. Uh, I, I, I don't have a problem with billionaires. Um, they're, you know, Everybody tries to pay as little taxes as possible. So you might have a problem. You might have a problem with tax laws, but you don't actually have a problem with what they're doing, if you're if you're honest. Yeah. Well, the the this is the the thing that we have now is that I think people will come out of everything that we got through in the last while. We come together and we'll hopefully be appreciative. I know I'm appreciative that you spent your time with me today. This is uh that's really cool. I could do this all day long, but I would I would steal your very valuable time from somewhere else that very much deserves it, Emily. Oh, you're very kind to me, and uh, I appreciate it so much. I I, um, I think you've made me out to be a little better than I am, but uh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, and my oldest daughter's name is Emily as well, so that's oh, uh, uh, it's uh, it was Kismet that we uh, we we pulled this together. So um, does she have a middle name? Uh, Jordan. So. Uh, not as exciting as your kid's name. So this is always a funny one, of course. I'm sure I also wanted to try not to have the same like nine questions that everybody asks you at the start of everything. So your kids have funny names, right? Like no, nobody <laughs> interviews me, Eric. Nobody. Okay. <laughs> it's okay. But ask your nine questions. I'll tell you, well, I'll tell you what, here's the one that will test you in the closing. What's the thing, the worst thing that's ever happened to you that you're the most thankful for? Wow. I wish you'd given me time to study on that. Um, oh. 
That is so tough. I feel like I've been very fortunate when it comes to like health issues and life issues. So, um, you know, it's a little cliche, but I, I think it's true. I'm not gonna pinpoint one exact thing, but I will tell you that any job I didn't get, I was a freelancer for a long time, or even the worst breakups I ever had that feel like I could never be happy again, um, absolutely just allowed the space for the next best thing to happen, the next thing to happen, which was clearly better. And you look back and go, what, what was I, what was I so upset about? But um, mm, it makes me feel especially fortunate when I really can't even come up with a horrible thing that happened to me. Um, yeah. I don't I think know. that's, that's actually, that's really kind of one of the, the joys of the reaction is because your, your first thought is whatever it is, I'm going to, I'm going to be in the optimist club around this thing, right? Like it's getting through it is difficult. That's yeah. Like, especially when you look back retrospectively, I think of all those times and you're just like, I've always had the ability to see that there's something else that's out there that's keeping you keeping your feet on these on the ground and, you know, keeping the heart pumping. And it's hard, you know, when you're in the midst of some experience, you know, you're just like, this is it. You know, <laughs> I can't, yeah. I can't take this anymore. No, exactly. Exactly. But you actually learn because those times used to break me and now, you know, not almost break me. And yeah. now if I'm like having the worst time with something, you know, over, I can just go like, I've, I've felt this bad before and it, it passes, it just passes. You make it better. You know, one thing that, and I apologize, I'm stealing your overtime on this one here. I, I'm but, fine. I'm, I'm good. One of the things that a friend of mine, I've always had sort of a stoic approach to things, which apparently is kind of people get really frustrated by stoicism and the idea that you kind of like, you look at things that are out of your control and you realize that you can't affect them. And so you have to embrace that they're out of your control and thus they occur good or bad. And I always think of my lifestyle. I don't like to be praised because it immediately like raises my level of normalcy to the point where now everything is a trough. And I, so I don't like the lows and I don't like the highs. I kind of like to shave off the edges if I were to look at it as a, as a sine wave. That's my, my, my way of dealing with it. Yeah. I remembered sitting, I was like, a, I was like 18 and I had an acoustic guitar. We were playing with a friend of mine and we we're at a party and this, it's like the morning, it's like seven in the morning, we're still going. Right. And we're just sitting around the table and this dog runs by and hits the edge of the guitar. It turns around, drops on its back. The neck snaps right off of it. And I like, this is the guitar that I spent, you know, three paychecks on. And like, this is, I love this guitar. And I decided to turn around. I was like, Oh man, I picked it up and I was like, it's going to be hard to fix. <laughs> and I sat down and continued on the conversation. And the guy beside me was like, aren't you going to freak out right now? <laughs> and I was like, nothing I could have done other than put it in a different spot. Could have changed the moment that just happened. Yeah. I said, so I'll figure that out later. Yeah. Good. And it really was a weird thing that, but then at other times, 
I will like be carrying a plate with a cup on it. And I'll say to myself, I shouldn't do this because I might drop the cup and the cup falls off. And all that goes through my head is, of course, it did you nothing. <laughs> I'm like, you're just like immediately taken to the darkest yeah. place where you're like, how does that same person drop a, an $800 guitar and go, ah, that kind of sucks. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm torn. It's the, the mind still takes you in, in difficult places sometimes, even yeah. at the smallest yeah. things. I get it. Um, well, I don't know what else to tell you. Um, I, uh, I want to tell you how I met Penn and I'll kind of finish up with that button because, um, I, I'm channeling if my mother were in the room, she's not dead, she's out there. Um, <laughs> and that uh, when I was in Vegas and I was working on a commercial and I had a free night and I, uh, I was like, oh, I'll, I'll go see Penn and Teller because I saw them off Broadway in the eighties. They're fun. Like I was not a dedicated fan but I've always liked puzzles and magic and that kind of thing. And um, I had recently prior to that moment seen the, uh, pilot show of bullshit if you're familiar with it yes yeah yeah and um and i was like oh that's so great i uh i'm gonna get in i'm gonna get in line to talk to him because you know i've never really seen pro science biased entertainment you know like it, it was it was incredible that she made the show for me um so i have to go um talk to him and thank him and by the time i got to the front of the line uh, i asked him out and he said, yes. And, you know, that was 18 and a half years ago. And many people marvel at that story. And my mother would tell you, um, that's how Emily's been her whole life. She's not afraid of no. And so I'm proud of that. I think that's what I do is I embrace, uh, embrace experience and um, just give it a try. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Also, the, 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 the classic if you're uh, and always my favorite story of people are like all this exciting news of like how did you choose the three of clubs to be this like is it specially meaningful and like that oh, it's just it looks easiest to find on camera exactly. <laughs> exactly. but it's such a I, ever, I still laugh when i see a magician use you know that as their classic force card i'm like all right that's a th there's the throwback a little bit of a an homage to uh to penn and teller have you ever um seen or done the uh the the cenograph trick is it cenograph is that the word the uh uh with the 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 cemetery no you know what I'm talking about no tell yeah, me about this revealing a little you'll i'll send you a link or you can google it but there's a they did it like live on saturday night live or some show but it, it still exists now um you you do have to learn how to force the three of clubs but you um you do a trick and then or no you Yes, and you force the three of clubs and they look at their card and they put it back and, they did it, and then you find the card and it's the wrong card and you didn't get it right. And you're like, all right, whatever, I got to keep practicing. This only works if you happen to be going to Forest Hills or whatever cemetery it is in LA. But you go there and you're walking along and you're talking and there's a, I believe the word is centigraph. I just can't remember if it has a T in it. It's not centigraph, it's centigraph. And uh, there's two of them. There's one in Forest Hills and there's one in my backyard. And it says Penn and Teller. It's, and it's like, it's like raised bronze and it has a picture of a three of clubs and it says, is this your card? And so <laughs> if you've done the trick to somebody, you can bring them there and, and, and then you're like, there's your card. And it's really funny. 
That is awesome. Well, yeah. Emily Gillette, uh, for folks that want to find you, uh, and they should, uh, where, and I'll have links as well to all the charities that we talked about and I'll encourage people to go. And I'll tell you what, uh, I said, I'll, my, my, I ask everybody to find somebody who would love to come on. And I, I, it would be neat. I would love one day to have, have uh, have pen on and share his some of his story but i know he's got the show is back on you're traveling you got a lot going on yeah, so uh, but i make sure that uh, i i would i'm going to do it without it but you know we'll make sure that money gets to opportunity village to support them anyways and uh, i'm going to make sure that i i donate a couple of months of my revenue from here to to them just because you know they they do fantastic stuff and and so if I've got a bounty of luck, I should use that in a way that can help others. Thank you so much. Thank you. But most importantly, how do we find you? Because you're the while he may be the louder, taller one, you are an incredible person, and and Thank you. Uh, you you deserve the, the the attention that you maybe don't get enough of. I, I get so much attention. Thank you. <laughs> um, <laughs> thank you. Uh, I, I don't know what you want me to give. Like, I, I, is it stupid to give people my email or give them an alternate email? I mean, I'm on Facebook, but I don't generally like just random accept. <laughs> yeah. Um, why is my computer working? My, my, I think I'm out of batteries. I can't find my other emails. I mean, do you want me to say an email? I don't know what to do. You can just give it. You will tell you what, we'll put it in the show notes just to make sure for folks that they want to find it. Of course they can follow you on Twitter as one spot. Twitter. Uh, yes. And, uh, and of course, keep track. You're heading to do some new production work. You've got stuff in post-production. You are, you are busy. So we'll make sure that we follow the projects that you're working on. Oh, thank you uh, so much. Thank you. It's been a pleasure anytime. And, um, I will certainly connect you with other philanthropic women. Yeah. You, you mentioned some fantastic names. I would love to, to feature them and, and share their stories. It's, it's been a very real joy to spend time with you. Emily Gillette. Thank you very much. And that was the Disco Posse podcast. There you go.